light of life, the maker of heaven and earth, we bow before you this morning. Lord, we lower our lives before the holiness of your countenance. Father, we ask that the meditations of our hearts this morning and the words of our mouth shall both together and all be acceptable before you this morning. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. We are welcome to this year's Children's Day. And I believe it's a great time in God's presence. And the Lord would remind us of a few things this morning. And we trust Him to have His way in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. From the passage we read during the lesson in Isaiah chapter 8, where the Lord began to tell us in verse 18 that we and the children the Lord has given us are for signs and wonders. There's a reason why God brought us and gave us families. There's a reason why every single child here is alive. There's a reason why every single teenager here is alive. And there's a reason why every single adult here is alive. If you are a member of a family, maybe you are a husband or wife, or you are a father or mother, there's a reason why you are in that position. And that reason, the Bible says, is for signs and wonders in Israel, in this world. The Lord has brought up such a matter as this in a time like this, when the world is confused and nobody knows really what to believe and where to go. But I trust that the Lord shall help us this morning in the name of Jesus. Shall we turn our attention to Deuteronomy chapter 6? Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. Hallelujah. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. Can three children who want to help us read come out? One child will read verse 5. The next child will read verse 6. And the last will read verse 7. I read Deuteronomy 6.5 and it says, You must love him with all your heart, soul and might. Hallelujah. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your might. Verse 6, please. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And these words which I command you today, must be where? Must it be in your head only? Must it be in your mouth only? It will be where? In your heart. Hallelujah. And now, verse 7. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are away on a journey, when you are lying down, and when you are getting up again. Hallelujah. God bless you. Can we put our hands together for these children? 
Amen. Amen. The Lord was careful to address the matter of the relationship of a trainer before he mentioned a trainee. We discover in verse 5 that the first matter the Lord deals with is the love relationship between a parent and God the Father. Of course we know that that is the greatest commandment. Jesus was asked, Master, which is the greatest commandment? And what will it be that once I do it, I am guaranteed of the kingdom? He says, there is only one law. You love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And after that he says, this is the greatest commandment. He says, although there is a second one, but it's actually like the first. He says, you shall then love your neighbor as yourself. The next verse in verse 6 says what? All the commandments I have given thee must be in your heart. First of all, you love and know the Lord. Secondly, you know His commandments. Not just that you know them in your head, that they are settled in your heart. Before you qualify to teach anybody in verse 7, you must have settled the matter of your own relationship with God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Lord will help us today in the name of Jesus. For some weeks now, we've been dealing in the teens church with Hebrews 6.1. So the foundational doctrines of Christianity. So I think the first week we dealt with repentance from dead works. And after it we broke into classes. Something one teenager said broke my heart. He says, uncle, that's what frustrates them the most is that although their parents keep telling them, don't lie, don't lie, right in front of them, their parents are lying left, right and center. This is what a teenager, whose parents are probably seated here, told me. And God has echoed in, a, in agreement, yes, that their parents say, don't lie, don't cheat, but in front of them, the very things we command them not to do, they observe us doing it every day. How do you think, would a hypocrite, how can you teach? That is why the Bible was careful. God commanded the Israelites, before you teach anybody anything in verse 7, verse 5 and verse 6 must be settled in your life. And this one does not matter the position you occupy in the church. It does not matter what titles or accolades men may give you. It does not matter the color of your dressing. It does not matter the rank you've attained in society. The Lord will help us to look at the scriptures briefly of how men of God either did not know the Lord or knew the Lord did not speak it or were not careful to teach their children. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. 
Let's look at what God said concerning Abraham in Genesis chapter 18 verse 19. Genesis chapter 18 verse 19. The Lord says, For I have chosen him. I'm reading from NIV. So that he would direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Why all that? He says, So that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. King James says, For I know Abraham, that he will command his children after him to obey my commandments. And I began to wonder, how can God be so sure about this man? God knows that human nature is so flippant and given to change. And randomness. How can God be so assured of Abraham? What if it turns out to be like Esau? When things are hard, when situations are tight, when he's hungry, he will quickly sell his birthright for a pottage, soup, extra money, better recognition. How can God be so sure of Abraham? And I began to wonder, what are the things God saw in Abraham before this time that made him to make such a declaration? We'll quickly go through some verses in the short time we have and see how God will help us. Can we go together to a few chapters before then? So Genesis chapter 14, verse 14. Genesis chapter 14, verse 14. Can someone with King James Version, someone with King James Version, read for us? I think he has a King James Version. God bless you. Genesis 14, 14. Now when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he had his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in God bless you. Amen. So when a coalition of kings captured Lot when they took down Sodom, the Bible said immediately Abraham had it, he mobilized his 318 servants who were born where? In his own house. Is it written in your Bible? 318 servants born in his own house. And we all know that by this time, Sarah was still barren. So imagine Abraham. Sometimes I used to wonder the discussions that used to go on between Abraham and Sarah all those years. Every year, a slave that you bought with your money will bring their own son for child dedication. And Abraham will lift them up and bless them and dedicate them. Every blessed year. I wonder what Sarah will be saying to Abraham. What kind of man are you? 
Kidudonibo. Give me your own. Year in, year out, you'll be dedicating your slaves and servants' children. The Bible says that he had trained them in warfare. 318 slaves' children. He had discipled them up to the age of responsibility. That when a war arose suddenly, all he did was to give them arms. And they defeated a coalition of four kings. Four major kings. Praise the Lord. We are talking about how critical is my personal relationship with God in raising children. Not necessarily your own children. Maybe children you meet in church. Maybe adopted children. Maybe your spiritual children. Maybe younger ones that God has placed in your hands. If you are in SS3, how to raise a JS3 student. If you are in final year in the university, how to mentor a first year student. You can't mentor them outside the mentorship that God has given you. We are talking about how critical are the commandments of God in parenting. Abraham had trained slaves that he bought with his money as if they were his own children. And he was preparing them to even inherit his property. As far as Abraham was concerned, at that time, he had decided that even if I have no children of my own, I know that one of these slaves will inherit Abraham's estate. So at least let me train them well. How do I know that? Genesis chapter 15 verse 2. I'll read this one by myself. Genesis chapter 15 verse 2 and 3. The Bible says, But Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is the Eliezer of Damascus. Verse 3. And Abraham said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. So you see, a man that has written his will and has willed his estate to a servant that grew up in his house, not a biological child, after all, he had none. So you see, he was confident in the quality of training he had given these children. I'm asking, why did God say, I know Abraham? And we are looking at some of the reasons. He was careful to train random slaves that he purchased, like a lace that he bought from Damascus. Amen. At Damascus is Syria. So Eliezer might well have been the great-grandfather of the people in Isis. Amen. He bought people without blood relation to him. And he had trained them up to the extent that he could hand over his entire estate to them. As we look at these matters in the scripture, I want us to think about our lives. How have we handled the children that God has given to us. You see, friends, it's not really about those children. It's about us. It's about our relationship with God. It's about where we are with God. 
If God has found you wanting, forget it. You cannot give what you don't have. You cannot give what you don't have. If your life is not holy before God, there's no way you can raise holy people unto God. It's not possible. You can shout it with your mouth. I want you to keep to time. I want you to wake up by five. But you are careless with time. It cannot happen. I told you the words of a teenager. That while our parents tell us to stop lying, stop lying. In our very presence, they are lying on the phone. They are lying seated in the palace. They are lying left, right and center. So when we say that the next generation is corrupt, you better look at yourself. How you have contributed to that corruption. Praise the Lord. You can only punish the disobedience outside when your own indoors is complete. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. The Lord wants to show us a mirror that the challenge of the future generation is that man you see in the mirror. Is that woman you see in the mirror. That's the challenge. If you and I would be careful about the resources that God has committed to us, we can actually redeem and remedy the destruction of this generation. How did Abraham treat the word of God? The commandments of God. How does Abraham treat it? You know, in many of our homes, our children watch us. They watch the way we pray. They watch the way we worship God. If they say, let us pray, and the parents are doing super, 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 how will the children know that when you pray, sometimes you can do like this? No way. If when you worship in your home, you never kneel down and raise your hands, brethren, the children will never know that is a way they will grow up to become adults who stand like this to pray and worship. Irrespective of what you say. So actually, your words mean what less to your children. I don't know if you realize how sophisticated they have become. At a very little age, you can hear the prayers they are praying, the words they are using, the way they are, they are talking. It shows you their thought process is becoming very convoluted, like that of an adult. Very matured. You can't deceive them with what you say. They are watching you clearly. In fact, sometimes your actions are too loud. They can't even hear anything you are saying. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. I want us to become that we desire to see in our children. That is what the Bible is telling us. How are your views in your family formed? Are they formed based on the teachings of the word of God? The way you take decision in your house. Are you showing your children that God is where to run to? When there is trouble, I like what happened in the drama. A child had become disobedient and had begun to steal and was going to bring more shame onto the family. But the father said what? Let us pray. The father said, let us pray. The Lord will help us to be very prayerful in the name of Jesus. Genesis chapter 17. 
Why did Abraham gain such trust from God? Genesis chapter 17. Can you turn your attention to verse 23? So in Genesis 17, God had appeared unto Abraham again and told him, never mind all that you've said. I know that in chapter 15 you wrote your will and made Eliezer a slave you bought your sole inheritor. I know that you have men who were not your children that you've trained to become soldiers. I know that you've poured out your life into strangers as though they were your children. But don't sign that will yet. I will bless you. He began to say from verse 1 down and said, I will make a covenant with you and the covenant I will make with you will have a sign that is circumcision. You will circumcise your foreskin and that of Ishmael because by then he had had Ishmael and that of all the males in your household. <laughs> Can we now look at verse 23? What happened? Remember that the Lord spoke to Abraham early in the morning of that day. In verse 23, my Bible says, when on that very day, Abraham took Ishmael and all those either born in his household or bought with his money, every male in his household and circumcised them. Verse 24 says that Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised. And his son Ishmael was how old? 13. And of course, all the other men in his house. This is not an easy thing to do. Is he circumcision at 99 and circumcising a 13 year old young boy and then circumcising all the other males in your house is not easy. But Abraham did it. When did he do it? On that very day that God commanded. Your children are watching your attitude to the word of God. It is very good to read the Bible in the morning and explain. But it is not enough. We need to be people who practice the word of God. I wish knowing the word of God was enough. I wish teaching it was enough. I wish reciting it in the public was enough. But actually, brethren, the blessing is in the doing. is in the practice. He said, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. The Lord will help us to become doers in Jesus' name. Amen. These are some of the reasons that I saw that God has used to trial Abraham's heart and find that his heart is sensitive to the word of God and that he will definitely command his children to live according to the word of God. It is not a given that those who know the word will do it. I hope you know. Brethren, a lot of people who know the word are not practicing it. You see, talk. Talk is cheap. Cho, cho, cho. It's the easy path of carrying Bible. Let us see it. Exodus chapter 2. I'll just look at verse 22. 
Exodus chapter 2 verse 22. Exodus chapter 2 verse 22. We will see another close friend of God. Another very close friend of God. With whom God spoke face to face. Just like Abraham too. That received the same commandments just like Abraham. Can you read verse 22 for us? And she bare him a son. And he called his name Geshem. For he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. God bless you. So Zipporah bore Moses a son. And he was named Geshon because they were strangers in a strange land. So Zipporah is the daughter, one of the seven daughters of Jethro. So Jethro was a Midianite sort of priest. So but we know Moses, he was an Israelite. He was born to Levites. A Levite father and a Levite mother. <laughs> Amen. So, essentially, not only that the father was Okochuku, the mother also happened to have come from the tribe of Ndiokochuku. Amen. Moses was born. So, Moses, we expect, would have been circumcised on the eighth day according to the Abrahamic covenant. Because the Bible says that he was kept for three months. Amen. Before he was put in a basket for Sarah's daughter to see. So, he must have been circumcised. Because Amram and Jochebed were not only Jews, but Levites. Praise the Lord. Exodus chapter 4, verse 24 and 26. 4 verse 24, and it says, As a lodging place on the way from Midian to Egypt, the Lord met Moses. And was about to kill him. But Zipporah took a flint knife. And cut off her son's foreskin. And touched Moses' feet with it. Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. She said. So the Lord let him alone. Hallelujah. The same matter of circumcision. That God spoke to Abraham. And the day Abraham had it, he circumcised himself, his son Ishmael, and all the males in his house. That is the same matter that Moses had a son. This is a guy that had met God in a burning bush. This is a guy that had spoken with God for days and days. And he was not careful to observe to do the word. You see, that's why I say talk is cheap. Church or church is cheap. Leave the word and become an evidence of the word to your children. Praise the Lord. Brethren, the Lord was about to kill Moses. So somebody was asking in a discussion that why did, how did Zipporah know about the ministry of circumcision? Because it was a token, it was a secret between God and Abraham. How did a non-Jew know about it. And somebody suggested maybe it was because of our upbringing. I said, well, unlikely. Because Jethro was a Midianite. He was a priest, but he wasn't essentially a Jew. They said maybe Moses had told her. That is true. Maybe she had observed it in her husband and made the inquiry, and the husband said, this is actually a sign 
between my tribe and God of Israel. And when the same man that was able to talk had a son, he could not now do the word of God to his son. And the Bible says, the Lord came to actually kill the man. You see, friends, preserving the commandments of God in your lineage is the key to your legacy. The Bible says, so that the Lord will perform that which he promised to Abraham. I mean, in that same verse, he said that Abraham will command his children. See, that is the only way we are sure that God will perform his promise to you and your generation. Is if you transmit that life of God along with everything you are bequeathing unto your children. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. We are talking about the role of your personal relationship with God and how you treat the word of God. How it becomes the foundation for your life, your outlook to life. How that will affect your children and those that come after you. I remember the first time I realized that prayer could heal people who were sick. It was in 1990. I mean, or 89, I'm not very sure. So, um, my family was, I mean, a missionary, so to speak, family, in some remote area. And my younger sister had taken ill. And she was a very little girl at the time. So she was very sick. I remember her fever was so high. And we kept crying. So my father then had a Volkswagen, which knocked engine at that time, and was being repaired at ninth mile. So he wasn't around. But I remember that my sister kept having high fever and kept convulsing. I mean, at a point, her eyes went up. We could only see the white part. So my mother had cried all the tears in her eyes and we carried the child dead or alive and just put on my father's bed and locked the door. We entered the room and began to cry. And in the night around, I mean it was very late, but there was no light, so it was probably around 8 or 9. So the man walked in like a ghost. They hadn't finished walking the car, so he had to trek from another far place back home. So when he came in, we just, my mother just carried the child whose body was still very hot, like boiling water, and dumped on the man's hand. And I remember vividly, like a child like this, the man lifted up the child and began to pray unto the Lord. And he prayed a short prayer and asked us to bring cold water and napkin. And we began to wipe the child's body. So, it was when I became a doctor, that I found that she had something they call febrile convulsion. Usually happens to children between six months and six years. I don't know how correct that is anymore. But actually, it kills children. Praise the Lord. So, but that girl has just had a second baby and lives with her husband in New York. Can you put your hands together to Jesus Christ? I don't need any other training that prayer heals sick people. You see that experience? It is better than all the theology schools. You can, even if I take Kenneth Hagin's healing teaching, 
Session 1, Session 2, they advanced. That experience has taught me that God is a healer. That when you call him, he actually answers. I'm talking about living a life that will model Christianity to your children. As I say, brethren, talk is cheap. But you see, if you don't allow your children to go through difficulties with you, in prayer, in believing God, and in seeing the answers, maybe they may grow into atheists in church. Atheists in church. I tell you, brethren, there are so many atheists in church. People who are bodily present with us. Their names are in our registers, they contribute money. But actually, in their heart of heart, God does not really have a primary place. He's just something they believe in. I mean, so that, again, they will not go to hell. But when they have trouble, they know what to do. They have the commission of police number. They have some money, some millions stuck away in the bank. I mean, so what is the problem? We'll fly you and brother and get you the best treatment. God does not really figure in, in the sources of their decision making. I was sharing how, how, how I was involved in the teen's church, in my church whilst I was studying. And I found that people who were born and bred in Nigeria, who came to England and had children there, that their children who had become teenagers were actually atheists, essentially. They, they don't believe that God is real. And they generally appear in church every Sunday and clap hands and dance. You know, there's a talking drum. I mean, very Nigerian church. They dance. When you engage them one-on-one, -on -one, they're just waiting to turn 18 to leave their parents' home. They don't believe in God. As I say, talk is cheap. It is living the life and modeling the word of God that is the primary thing. Apart from our relationship with God, the word of God, the third thing, and perhaps the final thing I want to highlight, is the role of prayer in raising children. The role of prayer in raising children. I don't know if you've realized that this generation has become more advanced in evil. Amen? Amen? Our children are facing temptations that are more complex and more subtle than the ones we faced. Omuna, you may think you like money, but you see, <laughs> the young people of today, <laughs> They like money more than you. <laughs> they want to become bloggers. They want to become YouTubers. They want to become vloggers. They want to do... See, there are professions now that can actually give you millions of dollars and you are still in your house. And they know about it. They are already preparing themselves for how to be making YouTube videos. They are so much more sophisticated than you realize. I mean, your child may not have an iPhone, for instance. But his classmate in the class has it. You cannot guarantee that that classmate does not look at pornography in the class. 
So whilst you are controlling the TV stations that are watching, whilst you have filtered the internet in your home, you don't quite know what they are exposed in outside of your home. Where they spend most of their waking time. With the teachers, with their classmates. You don't know where they are coming from. Prayer is paramount. This is a generation where young people are hooked on habits that are difficult to imagine. Young people are willing to engage in sexual immorality with inanimate objects for money. Lesbianism and homosexuality, bestiality, all manner of unimaginable things are going on amongst them. A lot of them for money. For money. If you find those people, especially those that are in Enugu that I've had time to talk with. So because of the nature of my work in HIV AIDS, I have opportunity several times to discuss with these at-risk populations, so they are called. But actually everybody is at risk. And when you talk to the young ones who got into it at 14, 15, 16, 17, it is money. I was speaking with a young girl, I mean she was 22 at the time. It got to a point, I told her, I want to give you a job that can be paying you 18,000 every month. I guess it was the minimum wage. She laughed. She smiled. She said, uncle, thank you. Thank you. But that do I know that the Ghana must go that contains her Wivon is the biggest size. That is this year Akwanya Akwanya is the biggest size like this. Of course, at the time we had met, she had used all manner of contraceptive methods, both known to me and unknown to me. I mean, she knew more than me in that area. Twenty-two. So how did you get into it? From her parents' home. Hello? Are you in town? Yes, okay. So are you coming? Um, I don't sleep outside my parents' home. I must come back latest by 6, no problem. Just come, we'll finish by 5.30. And she will leave her parents' home, go to wherever she's going, and come back to the same home. I have a very respectable daughter. Or done after anything after 6. She never comes back beyond 6 p.m. That is the same girl that was talking to me. She started as a teenager. I don't know if you are praying for your children and your friends and your cousins and your nieces and your nephews. Can you check it in a Job? Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. The Bible says that Job had interesting children. Ten in number. Seven sons and three daughters. But they had an issue. They liked partying. And you know party. Party is not a place where they sing We lift your name high. And that's a good day going on a party. When you get to party, a lot of things can go wrong. A party is a place where you can go with the aim of just to relax. I had a stressful week. 
and you can come back with an unplanned pregnancy. A party is a place where you go to just take a bottle of coke and you can actually come back with a disease you didn't plan. I don't know if you know parties. You come with plan A, but you go home with plan C. You can be sipping juice. Hey, no, 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 no. Please, I don't take alcohol. I just want to stay this time with my friend. You won't know when something enters your juice. And when you wake up, you will not realize yourself. That is party. That is when people are dancing with one leg at the beginning. By the time music matures, people will be standing with their head and actually jumping up with the head. I don't know if you've seen it. I, oh, I have seen it a lot of times. People standing with their head and jumping with the hands, the support of the palms on the ground. And the legs are in between the earth and heaven. And the head is rooted on the ground. Hallelujah. That's a party. Where you start small, but you can't know where it will end. And Job knew this. The Bible says his children will celebrate, I presume, maybe birthdays. They will go from the house of one person to the house. So in one year, they had at least ten parties. In one year, at least ten parties because there were ten children. Can I have verse 5? Job chapter 1 verse 5. The Bible says that whenever a period of feasting had run its course, that is the immature party, Job would send and do what? And have them what? Purified early in the morning. He would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking perhaps, maybe my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And how many times did Job did it? Continually. It was a regular pattern for him. I don't know if you recognize the risk our generation runs. In Emeha, continually. No wonder when the devil came to God, he said that you have surrounded the guy with blood. I can't touch anything that belongs to him. Sacrifice of blood. Do you pray such prayers for your children and for those that are under you. Prayer is so critical. We heard concerning some of the new curriculums that are coming up in this country about how <laughs> there is God and how Jesus is just one of the prophets, how there are other prophets, for example, the son of the bond woman, for example, the other ones. So the public school system has even designed a teaching that will contradict the teachings of the Holy Scriptures. Presenting Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as just one of the prophets. There are others. Why? In the spirit of tolerance. So that there will be less uh, religious sort of bigotry. Fight. In the country. So that the religions will tolerate themselves better. That diluting the teachings of the Bible. And presenting it to your children. Of course it is no longer news. And I know this because of my work too. 
that when the program started, we were commanded to use A, B, C of prevention. You may have heard it. How to prevent a lot of sexually transmitted things is what? As simple as A, B, C. A is abstinence. B is what? Be faithful. So, this year, earlier this year, an article came out in Lancet, a major journal, that A and B have now been done away with. Have now been what? Permanently removed. So that when George Bush started PEPFA in 03, 0203, and told us that every funded prevention program must have ABC. The government that is just living, their own is that every prevention program must not focus on ABC. Hallelujah. Persecution has started, brethren. Just in case you didn't know. Your children are going to learn things that you didn't know. Till you became a very old person. They will know it at a very young age. Time will fail me to go into the new matters that have been introduced at the level of the UN through different organizations no need to mention names that are planning everything. They plan, they plan parenthood, they plan life, they plan upbringing. Everything is planned. There's a template of what to tell your children. These things are worrisome. They are not things we can confront with the arm of flesh. How do we fight it? It's on our knees. Apostle Paul was talking to the Galatian church. And he said, my little children, for whom I travail daily, until when? Until Christ is formed in you. That is the formula for having Christ formed in people that you consider children. Daily travail. Daily travail. Daily travail. The Bible said on the effort of the high priest that they will lift the names of the twelve tribes of Israel and tie it on their chest. So that while they are doing their priestly ministry, intercession is flowing for the tribes unto God. I don't know whether you intercede for your children. Maybe you're a doctor. I don't know whether you intercede for your patients. For the young ones that God has given you. Maybe you're a teacher. I don't know whether you pray for your class. I don't know whether you pray for your students. This generation is in much more trouble than we ever were in. The devil has come with his final plan to drive their hearts permanently away from God. But the Lord will have us be reminded of three things. Our relationship with him is paramount. Passionate, loving relationship between you and God. Two, how you treat the commandments of God. Have they become the modus of oppression in your family? Three, prayer and intercession. These three things are foundational. If we must make headway in raising our children... A few years ago on this very podium, 
A brother was challenging us with the story of two 12-year-old people. A 12-year-old Isaac and a 12-year-old Manasseh. He was telling us how that at 12, Isaac could handle a sacrifice. The Bible says he engaged with the father. Lord, the materials for this sacrifice are incomplete. I have wood. I have fire. But we are missing an ingredient. So the young man was trained in the act of sacrifice. Of course we know he was Abraham's son. But we see Manasseh. How that he was born to a man of the same lineage, namely Hezekiah. In his old age, after his adverse for 15 extra years, he gave birth to Manasseh, and by the time he was dying, Manasseh was 12. But unlike Isaac, Manasseh had not learned how to sacrifice unto the God of heaven. The Bible went on to say that Manasseh was one of the worst human beings that ever lived on earth. The Bible said that he shed innocent blood alone in Jerusalem, that there was no inch of ground space left that was not filled with innocent blood. Manasseh in Jerusalem. Manasseh was so wicked and so cruel that God said, the only solution is you people have to just go on exile. Let this land rest. That was where the whole issue of exile of the Jews, 70 years and all of that, started from. The innocent blood that was poured on Jerusalem during Manasseh's reign. So, and I kept asking myself, what am I showing this? Am I showing them the way to hell? Or am I actually showing them the way to heaven? Are we raising Isaacs? Or are we raising Manasseh's? Are we raising children that we can be sure that will hold on the banner of God when the storms of life come? Are we actually raising very, very secular children who know about God, but when it comes to making decisions, they also have some connections. They know how to also make decisions. We need to think carefully about our lives and the kind of message we are transmitting to our children. When the Bible was saying in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 that we should not sort of discourage these children, I discovered that one of the main things that can discourage the children is hypocrisy. Let's not be those who say one thing and do another. It will not hurt the people we are trying to deceive. It will hurt us the most. We will find out later that we have a house full of people like us. People who are deceitful. People who will say one thing and will do another. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 I want a child to read it Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 Where's your Bible? Oh you know it's by heart Oh God bless you 
Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Can you put your hands together? Amen. They might cram the whole Bible. Amen. Please, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2. Let's read our lock a bit. Come. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2. Honor your father and mother, so you shall. So this is the first commandment given to you. With a blessing. Hallelujah. Put your hands together. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. So children, obey your father and your mother in the Lord. Honor your father and your mother so that it may be well with you. I know as we start getting older, like becoming teenagers, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, it becomes more difficult to obey our parents. Those guys don't understand. They simply do not get it. How can you tell me that somebody is insulting me in school and I will not take action? They don't understand. And sometimes we parents, we really don't understand. Amen. The Lord will help us to understand in Jesus' name. May the Lord give us understanding. But even when it's difficult to obey your parents, one thing you can do is you pray for them. It is one way to honor them. You say, God, help my mother. God, help my father. Things are so hard in the country. But your parents have been trying so hard to shield you from the things going on in the environment. You may not realize how tough, really, things are. They are doing their best to protect you from the harsh environment. So remember always to pray for them. Always pray for your parents. And when they tell you something, always obey them in the Lord. Even when you feel like negotiating with them, negotiate humbly with them. A child, a teenager asked me once whether there are different sets of laws for adults and then different sets of laws for children. So whenever I hear such question, I, I start praying, oh God, please help me. These children have come that they might catch me. Just as they came to catch Christ. And you find that these questions are prompted by the contradictions they see around them every day. By the things that are confusing, that they observe in the lives of significant others that they meet outside. Sort of like adults, like teachers, like uncles and aunties, like the people they meet. Maybe the young girl that is asking, an uncle has touched her carelessly. And she's asking... This thing somebody is telling me not to do. Why is it that somebody is doing it to me? So sometimes the questions they ask is actually springing from a certain definite experience. Something that actually happened. So these children that God has given us have become actually embodiments of the rotten society that we are in. Their mentality represents the way people think. Except we take action 
in the word of God, in Christian character, and in prayer, we cannot be guaranteed of a future. Even Apostle Peter, there was a time he was meant to fall. Jesus saw it ahead and prayed for him. There are times when your children may go through challenges. I want to encourage you to go through it with them. And pray for them. God will show you things about their future. And pray for them just like Jesus prayed for Peter. He says the enemy has desired to have you. To sift you. But I have prayed for you. I pray that God will help us. As we have heard these things, brethren, let us do these things. Let us commit them to action. Let us live lives that will reflect Christ and the one we preach with our mouths. Let's model righteousness. Let us be careful to make the commandments of God the root of our decision making. A brother told me that during the birthday of one of his children, they went to one sort of deprived area and called some kids around there and celebrated it with them. And I was so touched and inspired by the story. But I didn't quite know the conviction. Until one day I was reading the teachings of Christ. And Christ actually said it expressly. He said, when you are celebrating, don't call necessarily people like you. People that so, when they celebrate, they also call you. Find people who it is impossible for them to say thank you and celebrate with them. When I saw it, I jumped. I said, so this is actually living life the way Christ taught it. It's difficult to balance the word of God and someone will say, and democracy. The teachings of God are not very popular. And as the days evolve, they are going to become increasingly unpopular. So get used to doing strange things. And our children need to get used to standing on the Lord's side, irrespective of its unpopularity. The views of God are going to become even more weird to normal people as the days progress. The troubles we are in today will even multiply in the future. Let's train ourselves in righteousness. Let us train ourselves in righteousness. Because raising children is not necessarily about the children, it's about us. Shall we rise to our feet and take a few minutes to pray? Shall we rise to our feet? And as we rise, may we begin to talk to God. I don't know whether recently you have evaluated how you were raised. Many times I think about it. I try to point out areas that my parents didn't really get right. But you know very soon, it will be you under analysis. Very soon, the younger ones that have passed through our hands, we will be analyzed. 
They will be picking out how we didn't do it well. I want you to talk to God. Talk to God about your relationship with Him. Your prayer is simple. Lord, I want to become like you in every way. Can you open up your mouth and pray, brethren? This is the burden of raising children. Being like God first. It is impossible to give what you don't have. Lord, fill me with you-ness. I want to be like Christ. I want to be able to model. There is not a lack of teachers. There is not a lack of voices. People are shouting here and there. What we lack is models. That is what is in short supply. People of character. You hear somebody is born again, you go close to him, he's close there, it is filthy. You can't stay near the person. Can you pray God to deal with your character, to make you have a godly character of your own? Father, we bring ourselves to you. Let the such life of your presence produce godly character. Can you also pray that God will give you the grace to pray for your children? That God will give you the burden to intercede for kids that are in your school, for children that are under you one way or the other, for your own biological children, for younger colleagues, people that you mentor, that have formed different opinions about your mentorship. Can you pray that God will give you the heart to still pray for them? There are some that you keep preaching to, but they never respond or seem to respond. Can you pray for grace to stay on in the place of prayer? It says, my little children, for whom I travail until Christ is fully formed in them. Lord, give us the grace to prevail in the place of prayer. Lord, perhaps our children might have cost you in their hearts, Lord. We pray that you keep them for us and for yourself and for your testimony. King of kings, we thank you for this hour. We bless your name for that which you've spoken unto us. We ask, O oh God, that you give us the grace to do. That you give us the grace to live out the life of God. Lord, that you give us the grace to teach our children continually of the words of life. Lord, that you give us the grace to intercede and remain in prayer for them, Lord. Until Christ is fully formed in them. Lord, may they through us, Lord, come to experience the salvation in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Father, we ask that you do this. Give us the resources to bring them up in godliness. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen.